Chapter 3 The Second Birth Can I ask you about your horns? Sure. What about them? said the white buffalo. Well, why do you have them? I don't have them, but rather they embody me. I am a soul within life, and I am only visiting this body temporarily. Now if you're asking what horns mean, and the reason this buffalo form happens to wear them, then we could examine Psalms 148 and see that a raised horn is a symbol of victory, especially that of being rescued from oppression. Horns stand for strength and honor, as they point up to the heavens and the sun. The horned one is often considered a male fertility god, and anyone who wears horns upon the head is a protector of the soul who is called to bring forth the morning star's dawn," said the white buffalo. Now I know this white buffalo was looking after me, but I also kept track of wherever he went. For goodness sakes, he's the only white buffalo I've ever seen, and so I felt that I needed to take responsibility to protect him. For 24 hours a day, I remained watchful, carefully observing anything he would do, and it seemed that there was brilliance within every moment, whatever the moment brought us through. Wow, what a day! I wonder what tomorrow will bring. An offering, said the white buffalo. What type of offering? Have you heard of Jesus on the lean donkey? This is an emblem of how we must control the instinctual soul. Let your spirit be strong like Jesus, because if that part becomes weak, then the worn-out donkey grows into a dragon, and then you find that you're not in control," said the white buffalo. What do you mean by that? Until you've had your second birth, or found your second heart, you're really not quite cooked as a male, and you are actually dangerous to the community, dangerous to women, dangerous to the cosmos, that is, if you haven't had a second birth. Anyone who is living on the earth has been born, and many men grow to become rulers, controllers, or dictators over the land, businesses, and countries. There are a lot of very, very powerful men. They may have beauty, wealth, power, and everything you could want, but the elders of the earth understand that the more power you have in your cup, the more dangerous you become. And this is where we find the great dragons. And so there is something in us that knows that something needs to be sacrificed. And if you look in our world, there's been a lot of sacrificing. Unfortunately, a lot of it has been human. So what is this in us that has to do with a sense of sacrifice? In terms of the awakening of man, and growing safely, there arises the question of having a safe world. And so we must discuss sacrificing the dragon said the white buffalo. At that moment I froze. I felt as if a terrible dark dragon breathed fire into my soul. Now the white buffalo nodded, as if he was aware of my dragon. But how did he know? And what would one do if they found out they had a dark dragon of their own? We've got to cage them, said the white buffalo. You sure we can't kill them? You can try to kill the ego, 
but the eagle will always come back. And if you try to slay the dragon, then next time it'll appear with two heads that are ready to attack. Kill it again, and it'll come back with three. What you've got to do is find a way to cage it, then you're home free, said the white buffalo. But then something has to be sacrificed. If I am going on a journey, then part of me is changing, the same way lead turns to gold. Surely there is a sacrifice in the heat until only there is gold remaining. One legend says that the world came into being when a great monster was sacrificed. A lot of the male-dominated cultures thought that the thing that needed to be sacrificed was female. Typical male idea. Now consider this. Through the atonement of Jesus' sacrifice, who bled out and took on the pains of the world, well, it was valid and honorable when done by a man. But when a woman does this, or is burned at the stake, and takes on the suffering of the world, our world calls her dramatic. Often this whole idea of sacrifice is related to the idea of grandiosity as you power up. But so often, the real truth is lost in the cultural norms and those who hold control and power. That's why we can't let poetry conform. As you access the great energies that are in yourself, deep within yourself, a lot of that gold and shine will start coming up, and not a lot of people like that. A lot of people would say a mystic is a man, but a mystic is within, and so why not call it her? If you're a man, we should honor her. And if you're a woman, well, I won't tell a woman what to do, because I'm not absurd. And when we speak of spirituality, we have to take it another step. You can contact your great energies, but soon there will be a problem if you don't take the next spiritual step. The Tower of Babel begins to rise when one gets real fascinated with one's own tower. So when you're self-involved, it becomes compulsive. If you don't have any power, you appear very flat and gray. But the more power and great energy you conjure, well, it can become a problem, said the white buffalo. You said something about being compulsive. Why does that compulsive behavior increase? Because no elder has taught us about real sacrifice, and about who or what needs to be offered. We must offer it up to something higher. Now the history of the world has been really great at sacrificing the low, the poor, and the feminine, hoping that our bad problems will get better. But one way to understand what's going on is that there is a large sense of denial, a bunch of hungry dragons that are looking to be fed, and they become more and more addictive and compulsive. The point is that this spiritual birth, our second birth, or awakening, which is the birth of the second heart, is about the necessity to awaken to something larger than one's egoic self, and to be able to learn how to make offerings. There is a necessity to make offerings in order that we have a united world and that people remain with their humanity, said the white buffalo. How should we make offerings to help people remain with the greater humanity? There's the story of the faraway mosque. It's the place that Solomon made to worship in and was called the Far Mosque. It is not made of earth 
and water and stone, but of intention and wisdom and mystical conversation and compassionate action. Every part of its intelligence is responsive to every other part. The carpet bows to the broom, the door knocker and the door swing together like musicians. This heart sanctuary does exist, but it cannot be described, so why try? Solomon goes there every morning and gives guidance with words, with musical harmonies, dance, and actions, which are the deepest teachings. A king is just a conceit until he does something with generosity. Now sometimes it's not just kings, but there is a longing for sacrifice, and so a group of men might make a priesthood and find a way to franchise the sacred. Throughout history, it was the priests who were in charge of the sacrifice, and pretty soon, those who oversaw the sacrifice used their role to groom social power and prestige, and to create systems so powerful that it stratified the society in such a way they couldn't be touched by the government. Just think about how the priesthood operates. The intuition knows that we have a need for guidance, but our world has turned into the McDonald's of spirituality and franchised it. Before long, its being is used not to help you deal with grandiosity, but to cultivate idealization of the priestly caste and donations. The whole idea is that they cultivate fantasies because of power. And no wonder we've had such a hard time, because our spiritual insights actually come from within. We all know something has to be sacrificed if we're going to be okay. But someone took over the priestly role for us, and so we've turned it over to them, and they tell us how it is. Our challenge today, not only as men, but as women, is to really get awake about what this spirituality awakening is all about. Rumi talks about the importance and miraculous nature of offerings. For us to wake up to this and to understand that there is a priest within us, a spiritual leader within our own self, who knows about what must be sacrificed rather than the religious professionals who often drive us into spiritual bankruptcy. We need to awaken to the tragedy of what's happened to our world, that we've been divided and separated into territories and religions. Every man used to know he was a ritual elder, carrying something of great importance for the world. Every person in every group has responsibility for some part of the line of song that contributes to the music of our world. And if we fail to sing this song, then the world will continue to deteriorate. In the West, we've gotten the idea that ritual leadership is only for priests or preachers, and we have to follow only them. The professional model of spiritual leadership reigns supreme, yet they're often the most spiritually tone-deaf organization on the earth. They have tremendous investments in developing the profession of ministry, and if you go into a church with a professional minister, they feel it's their job to set up tables, to fix the roof when it leaks, and adjust the deck chairs on the Titanic, as I like to say. The point is that every man and woman, of every age, is called for their own awakening, or a second birth, which is the discovery of the second heart, and this is an entry into your ritual leadership that is necessary 
This includes the young men and young women too, who must show us some leadership today. We are awakening to our task of leading a sacrifice, a sacrificial ritual to our ego's own grandiosity. I can only teach for the masculine way, and so the women have to learn to deal with their own ego's grandiosity of the feminine. Us men must learn to deal with our male dragons within us, and it's not that they're so bad. So let's discuss how there's a spiritual secret, which comes in powering up your creativity, and to stand in the fire of creativity without it burning you up. And if you're not a psychopath, the only way you're going to be able to stand in the fire of your creativity is if you offer up your grandiosity in your inner temple. If you can do that, then your capacity to be a vessel of creativity goes into warp speed, said the white buffalo. Warp speed? What's that? It's when you are a vessel for God. This is not about masochism. And a lot of people think that if you make a sacrifice, it's a formula for masochism. This is true when you put other people on the throne or altar and make them into gods. Masochism is a social relationship when you turn someone into God and then you sacrifice yourself to them. You could be acting something out very profound and true, but it's not the right person to be offering it to. And if you offer it to a human being, or an institution, or the church, synagogue, or ashram, because you have idealized it and given away your gold, or the God energy in your heart, and make your sacrifice to a thing outside of you, it's spiritual masochism. I'm just pointing out a challenge that we face. I came out of a Christian tribe, and there are a lot of Christians that have gotten the idea that Jesus paid it all and that there's no offering needed by any of us. That's not the only way to interpret Jesus' story. And so the common person doesn't think that they need to offer anything to the power of Christ living in your own heart. But there's a lot of gold within you. It's an energy in the psyche. Now what is this energy about? And what is it for? And what can you do with it for our world? That's when you realize it's not an evil thing, but rather, the grandiosity of your soul can be an offering, and it's the bread of the world. The key is what do you do with this precious energy of your soul and life? This is the gold of the heart. And when you find this, you found the second heart. The first heart is a muscle that keeps you alive. The second heart is when your spiritual nature comes alive. Now without someone to help you understand, if you don't have a faithful leader within, you can become a cannibal king, said the white buffalo. A cannibal king? What's that? Think of how a bad king would dominate his people. He might even build a giant temple, and he'd have so much power to control the priests and the people. But the true king pours out his lifeblood so that all the world may drink. That was Jesus. The true king makes an offering of himself or herself. The offering of oneself becomes the entrance into the inner kingdom, that temple within you. And no preacher, teacher, guru, or rabbi can create this for you. We are on a path of building the inner temple, and it's not a temple that can ever be violated.
said the white buffalo. But how can my tiny temple compare to that of the great temples upon the earth? Have you ever heard the parable of the widow's might? It tells about how the rich were putting their gifts into the treasury, and then there was a certain poor widow putting in two mites. Truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. For all of these rich men, out of their abundance, have put in offerings for God. But she, out of her poverty, put in all the livelihood that she had. The moral is that the little things can do miraculous things. If you can make this journey into the inner temple and build your temple and offer it so that there might be a good world for all, not only can there be a good world, but there can be a pure and great world, said the white buffalo. Can you be more specific about the offering of grandiosity done in an individual basis? Say you have a gift. You get to choose whether this gift is for you and will feed you, or whether you will offer it so that not only you will eat, but that a lot of people will eat from your gift," said the white buffalo. So that makes it a little complicated, because if I have the gift of poetry or storytelling, then actually you're saying I should share it with everyone, which could include inflating my own ego's grandiosity. This isn't such a simple issue. It might increase your grandiosity, but let us reflect on where your decisions will be spiritually made. Because if you decide not to offer it to something bigger than your ego, you'll be more addicted and more depressed, and before long, you won't be able to work. There are a lot of people who hide because of this issue. They get caught and trapped. But to the point in which the grandiosity elevates to a certain point, it gets difficult to regulate. In other words, you don't have the choice to optimize your grandiosity without paying the price. When that starts growing to a certain point, some people shut down in order not to be psychotic," said the white buffalo. So when I think about my own power, trying to develop it and invest in it, I can't be destructive about it, and I can't pretend I don't have the gifts either. So what if I don't think of it as grandiosity, but rather a certain power? Then I must decide whose power is it, and what does it want to do with me? So this is the offering. What I'm offering is myself as a vessel, or a chalice, or an alchemical crucible, so that I can work with this energy and manifest it to do something good for all. I do my part of the job and it does its part of the job. And the grandiosity isn't about ownership, so I'm for it, but it isn't necessarily for me. And the more you give it up, the more it comes back. And about the creativity, you can't quite master it, otherwise you lose it. You have to dance with it. I'm simply challenging your own reflections in your life to help you see that you have to do something with this energy. But the psyche is shaky. Of course the soul is grandiose, but the shadow is sneaky. For instance, the lions, tigers, and dragons within us are always there, but they can be turned or tamed into spiritual guides. They're not flat out bad, but we have to get spiritually aware enough to climb upon their back and go for a ride. Think of Noah and the Ark. 
He was a village fool who took on such a huge and foolish project, but because he did it for the benefit of all, it worked. Can you imagine wrestling with that inner dragon of doubt and disbelief? Said the white buffalo. So how do I know when I'm on the right track? Your creativity increases, and when you share, you start shining. It's alright for us to want to be seen. We all want to be heard. It's very human to want to be seen. And we need to stop feeling worthless, because we want to have an impact. We all want to be seen for the good we bring to the world. But if we can't sacrifice our ego, then we start sacrificing the weak among us. This is a kind of cannibal king. This is what led to the holocaust of human history. It's what happens when rebels or a dictator starts bombing and attacking their neighbors, said the white buffalo. Then whenever I can offer myself to my own spirit, I must take the opportunity. But what if I slip? What happens then? What must I do? Chance is the first step you take. Luck is what comes afterwards, said the white buffalo. And what if my spirit begins to wither and die? What if the dragon devours me whole? Oh, what will happen if I'm not enough? Oh, what will happen to my poor soul? Don't turn to look at every begging doubt that beckons. You belong with me. Don't sell yourself at such a low price. You are priceless, don't you see? Part the waters with your staff. You are today's Moses. Tear through the cloak of fog. You are the light, the same light as Muhammad. Shatter the mirrors of the Virtus. You are the dazzling Joseph. Blow the breath of life, like Christ, for you too are of the same air. Break away from the unscrupulous. Don't fall for the deceit of ghouls. You are of noble origin. You are from the highest light of our soul. By spirit, you are deathless, imperishable, and magnificent from within. You belong to the glorious. You are of divine radiance. What have you seen of your own beauty? Are you still veiled? One dawns like the sun. You will arise from within. It's a shame that you are shrouded this way, like the moon under a cloud. Tear through the cloud of the body and mind. You are the moon, so beautiful. No mine has found a jewel like you. This world has no life like you. For this is the world of decay. And you are on the path of the life-giving way. You are like a hawk whose feet are tethered, weighed down by the body. It's with your own claws that you must untie the mental knots. How joyous is pure gold when it enters the fire, for it is within the flames that gold shows its essence and its skills. So don't flee from the flames. What could happen if you step into the fire if only to test it out? Might you be shocked at last when you see what the power of transformation is all about? It will not burn you, I swear. Your face will glow like gold, for you were born of alchemy, and ancient wisdom is ours. Rise up, out of the soil, you are a lofty tree. Fly up to the mountain's peak, you are a royal bird who looks in every direction to see. You are sugar, so spread sweetness. Your life is the grand music of joy, 
So play the reed, write your poems and fables, and spread your storytelling seeds, said the white buffalo.